This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 543 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? You know what? It's nice and warm today. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, yeah, I, it's like beautiful. I hilariously, because I have two senior dogs and my older one gets very hot very quickly. Last night, I had to turn the air conditioning on for him because it was really warm in our house and he was like panting like crazy. And now, uh-huh. but I looked because later this week, it's supposed to be a little bit cooler again. I was like, love living in Ohio or might have to turn the heat on later this, <sighs> this week. But, but yeah, pretty it's much, beautiful. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to complain. And also randomly, I don't know if anyone out there is also football fans, but the uh, NFL draft is here in Cleveland. So our fun, fancy stuff. Um, So yeah, all good things. All good things. What are we doing today? Our May books episode, y'all. Is our May books episode. So if you're new to the podcast, this is the most popular thing we do every month, but Jill and I are going to go back and forth and we're going to tell you the books we're most excited about that are coming out in May. We don't tell each other our lists ahead of time. Um, I think there's like one or there's like one or two I put on my list that I'm pretty sure you're gonna have, but just wanted to make sure all of them will be in the show notes. So don't worry about that part. Um, you can just reference that throughout the podcast or after the fact and see all the books we talked about. If you want more recommendations, you can email us professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. Is that all the housekeeping? I think so. Okay. Um, how many books did you pick this month? I have eight. Okay. I have like 10, but again, I think a couple of them are we're going to both have. So I will start. Okay. Uh, my first one is called Madhouse at the End of the Earth by Julian Sancton. Uh, this is nonfiction that super sounds like a gothic horror fiction. Um, yeah, this is, I think, is pretty much up both of our alleys. So in August of 1897, there was this Belgian uh basically adventurer sailor who was planning a set sail for three years on an expedition to uh go to antarctica you might be seeing where this is going mm-hmm. as they were getting there a series of setbacks happened and basically to make the description much shorter uh, their boat got entirely frozen in ice in near antarctica and Antarctica is one of the areas in the world where when the sun sets at a certain point of the year, it just doesn't come back up. So um, their boat was basically stuck for months in rock solid ice with no sunlight. Um, and so through a series of like diaries and journals and log books, um, Sanctum, the author, was able to kind of like tell the story of what happened about all these extremes and the isolation um, apparently, NASA studies this particular uh, trip for research on isolation for, for future missions to Mars. Like, that's how insanely isolated these people were and what they had to go through. So, but it's written like a, 
a novel and very much like a gothic horror. So it sounds very creepy and um, yeah, just terrifying. So that's Madhouse at the End of the Earth by Julian Sancton. Gonna go ahead and put mm-hmm. that on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right, my first one. Oh, y'all, I am so excited for this. Okay, this is The Ivies by Alexa Dunn. You guys know I love me my creepy murders at schools. Um, and this is a book that when I heard Alexa Dunn is a, it's a YA. Um, and as soon as I heard about this, I like immediately pre-ordered it like months ago, like as soon as it was live on Amazon, I pre-ordered it. So, um, everyone knows the Ivies. They're the most coveted universities in the U S and, um, more than that, though, is the Ivy's at Clifton or a uh, Claflin Academy. It is five girls with the same mission, which is to get into the Ivy League by any means necessary. So we got like a click of like mm-hmm. girls mm-hmm. choosing to get into the Ivy's. I'm already at it. Okay. Um, so they do anything that they can. They disrupt class ranks. They get called leaderships, academic competitions. They um, improve their own odds by decreasing the fortunes of others. Oh, so good so (laughs) because hyperly competitive college admissions is serious business and in some cases deadly okay i'm sold that's all i need to know did they write that description for you (laughs) i know and the cover is so good too y'all like it's like a it looks like a a sheet of loose leaf notebook paper Mm -hmm. with like pencils on it punching through and blood stains oh my god it's so good so um yeah that's the ivies by alexa dunn and again i pre-ordered this immediately <laughs> and while you were talking about it i put it on hold oh boy i think this is gonna be a big month of books i put on hold yeah. ahead of time uh, my next my next one is a master of gin by p jelly clark uh, so p jelly clark was on the podcast i want to say in december um we were ta- i was talking with him about ring shout but he has written a series of um, novellas that are in this like alternate universe of Cairo where magic exists and there's all sorts of crazy things going on. If you've read anything he's done, this will not come as a surprise, but the book is set in uh, 1912 Cairo, but in his alternate universe. And in this universe, they have a ministry of alchemy enchantments and supernatural entities. Um, And our main character Fatma is, is the, she's not a rookie, but she, uh, is trying to investigate this person who has murdered a secret brotherhood that is dedicated to one of the most famous men in history. And the person who is murdering them is impersonating said most famous person in history. And he has crazy magical abilities. And what he's doing is like pulling, ends up pulling together the regular world and like the magical world. And so it's kind of like a murder mystery. It's kind of like a noir, but all of it's set on the backdrop of early 1900s Cairo. And again, there's magic all over the place. And P. Jelly Clark is just a phenomenal writer. So I'm super excited about this. I've loved the novellas. So that's A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. Um, my next one is The Plot by Jean Hanf Korlitz. Okay, so this is about Jacob. Jacob was once a promising young novelist with a respectably published first book. And now he is teaching third grade MFA programs and struggling to maintain what's left of his, left of his self-respect. He hasn't written, let alone published anything decent in years. He has a student, Evan, who is his most arrogant student. 
And honestly, if you have attended any sort of like, I have a BFA in writing, there's always that one student. So like, (laughs) um, Evan is that student and he announces he doesn't need Jake's help because the plot of his book that he's working on is a sure thing. And Jacob is prepared to kind of like dismiss it and, you know, just be like, oh, sure. He's just that student and thinks that his book's the best. And Mm -hmm. then Jake actually hears the plot. So now he's sort of braced himself for this idea that his student, like Evan's going to become like all rich and famous after he publishes his book, but then Evan dies and Jacob decides that he's just going to steal the plot of Evan's book and publish it himself. (laughs) So that's what he does. (laughs) So, um, you know, he publishes a book, he becomes rich and famous and on this, you know, book that his student actually came up with the plot and then one day um like nobody knows when then one day jacob receives an email that just says you're a thief and i really yeah. loved the way i don't know why i love the way that you read that description that was the like <laughs> oh man it's yeah yeah so good times oh uh, that sounds really good uh okay so my next one he doesn't need our promotion. He's way more famous than we'll ever be, but that's okay. But it's Yearbook by Seth Rogen. Um, I so I'm going to be listening to the audiobook because I haven't talked about this too much lately. But I love a comedic audio, like a comedic memoir, especially when they're read by said comedian, um, Seth Rogen. And I, I could be wrong, but by all like everything I've ever seen, he just seems like a really great dude, and he's constantly dunking on Ted Cruz, which is really great to see on Twitter. But um, this is just a collection of stories that he will read about his life. And like his this, it just seems like something I will very much enjoy. And he's one of those actors where if I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, Seth Rogen's in this. It'll be kind of funny. Um, he's also a crazy successful producer. And he likes really um, weird and random stuff like comics and things and helps get them made. But um, just to give you like a brief description from the actual page a collection of funny personal essays from one of the writers of Superbad and pineapple express and one of the producers of the disaster artist neighbors and the boys and then in parentheses it says all of these words have been added to help this book show up in people's searches using the wonders of algorithmic technology thanks for bearing with us like the whole description is just like that yeah. where he's like um i'm gonna write a whole bunch of stories that might get awkward next time i'm at a party but i hope you enjoy them and so yeah it's they said your book by seth rogan he just I feel like he's one of those people where I discovered Freaks and Geeks around the time that I was the age of the people in Freaks and Geeks. And then like ever since then, I've just kind of seen him become more and more successful. And like, he's like one of those people who like, I feel like I've grown up along with his content. So yeah, he said, I could be wrong. He could be a terrible person. You never want to like put your, you know, totally stamp the claim to that someone's nice, but he seems like a good guy, at least on social media. So I will definitely listen to that. My next one is Tokyo Ever After by Nico Jean. Okay, so this is described as the Princess Diaries meets Crazy Rich Asians, which I'm all for. Mm-hmm. So this is about Izzy. She is um, a Japanese American living in a mostly white, small Northern California town. She's being raised by a single mother. And she's sort of like, you know, this is fine. Life is good. Life is great. Then she discovers that um, her previously unknown father's identity is actually the crown prince of japan which means izzy is actually a princess so all of a sudden you know she 
goes to Japan to meet her father and discover this country where she's like literal royalty. <laughs> but, um, you know, being a princess isn't all ball gowns and tiaras. There are conniving cousins. There's a hungry press, a scowling, but handsome bodyguard <laughs> who might just be her soulmate, which is just perfect. Um, and thousands of years of tradition and customs that she has to pretty much learn overnight. And so she finds herself kind of caught between these two worlds, um, you know, being Japanese American in America she was never American enough. And now in Japan, she's not Japanese enough. And it just sounds lovely. And again, the cover is just, it's an amazing, amazing cover. Are you still doing an interview with that author? Yes, I have um, scheduled, I believe I've scheduled with I'm working on it. I have yeah. so many author interviews coming up, y'all. I can't remember I... who is actually scheduled and who is not. Um, oh, it's so, I but I'm I... trying to get an interview with Amiko. <laughs> I feel that on a cellular level. I just like, I did a, I was scheduling just behind the scenes for everyone. Jill and I both, you know, we both do interviews as you all know, but like we kind of get requests from publishers like in, in mass. And then we go through and like, Oh, this sounds great. This sounds great. This sounds great. And I was, I did like a double take site. I'm scheduling interviews with two authors who have very, very similar names. And I had like a, one of those moments of panic where I was like, hold on, did I send the right Zoom? Did I do the right thing? All that administrative stuff that's that fun. But yeah, I, I thought that she was potentially going to Yeah, now that I'm actually like looking at this, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to send the thing. Yes, we, I am scheduled for Amico. I actually just have to follow up with that. yeah i know that as well um speaking of people who will be on the podcast this month uh goblin by josh mallerman is my next one uh josh is the writer of bird box and mallory and um he also wrote inspection which came out i think last year or maybe a year and a half ago and we talked about that but um goblin is a book about a a town called goblin and then it's six novellas set in this town and it's very much um, I already did the interview and we talked about it. It's very much kind of like um, the town is absolutely a character, sort of like Derry, if you're thinking of it and Stephen King is like a way. Well, it sounds like the Sherwood Anderson, Winesburg, Ohio, uh, Ohio collection. It's yeah. Funny you would say that because he references that as well in our uh, conversation, but it's super creepy. It's super dark. It's so good. It's so, so fun. The cover um, is created in the, to make it look like a, like, 1970s 1980s horror horror book it has like that cool creepy like art but also it has the frayed edges of like a well-worn cover it's so cool the way that they have it set up oh that is good that is Um, good josh was is just delightful i'm excited for you guys to hear that later Uh, and also he is the only apparently only other person uh, that i've ever met at least who also has a weinbrenner and a vishla and it's not on the podcast but the two of us may have spent 15 minutes on zoom letting our dogs meet each other after we sure. did an interview but goblin is so good it's so creepy um and if you like his other stuff you will adore this that's goblin by josh Mallerman. uh my next one is Catherine parr the sixth wife by allison weir so Longtime listeners of the podcast know I'm slightly obsessed with the tutors. Um, and I have 
talked about Alison Weir's books before. She started as a nonfiction writer, um, writing historical works about the Tudors, and then she started writing fiction. So for the last several years, um, I want to say like six or seven, she has been writing one book per each of Henry VIII's wives. And we have finally come to the last wife, you know, there was a divorce, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded. And now we have the surviving wife, Catherine Parr, who managed to outlive him and not end up with a terrible fate. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so it is about, um, Catherine Parr. She was a widow when she married Henry. Um, and she honestly was sort of like hired to be more of like a nursemaid than a wife. Um, cause he was, you know, getting on in ages and then he dies and, um, the, uh, kingdom is kind of, well, he dies and then his son Edward takes over and then Edward dies. <laughs> and like the whole thing, it's like a whole big mess. Um, and then it's just, I'm, I'm just very excited that, you know, we have these, they're big books too. Like she goes mm-hmm. very much in depth about, um, everything with the the wives and yeah we've we've come to the conclusion good old Catherine Parr yeah um did you put on your list the one that I sent you yesterday no the the mythology one no because I assumed you were yeah absolutely okay Okay. so (laughs) guys sometimes Jill and I have different uh reading kind of like wheelhouses to quote reading glasses but we have stuff that we absolutely overlap in and sometimes a book comes out that every single word of the description makes it more and more like a book that we're both going to enjoy. So this is one of those. I want to pronounce it Ariadne. Does that look right? I have to you? no idea, but that okay. sounds right. Mm. All right. So I'm going to go with Ariadne by Jennifer Saint. And it's, I'm just going to read the description because it's so lovely. First off, a mesmerizing debut novel for fans of Madeline Miller's Circe. I could actually stop there for us, but, but I'll keep going. Ariadne, princess of Crete, grows up greeting the dawn from her beautiful dancing floor and listening to her nursemaid stories of gods and heroes. But beneath her golden palace echo, uh, but, but beneath her golden palace echo the ever-present hoofbeats of her brother, the Minotaur, a monster who demands blood sacrifice. When Theseus, prince of Athens, arrives to vanquish the beast, Ariadne sees in his green eyes not a threat, but an escape. Defying the gods, betraying her family and country, and risking everything for love, Ariadne helps Theseus kill the Minotaur. But will Ariadne's decision ensure her happy ending? And what of Phaedra, the beloved younger sister that uh, she leaves behind? Hypnotic, propulsive, and utterly transporting, Jennifer Sane's Ariadne forges a new epic, one that puts the forgotten women of Greek mythology back at the heart of the story. Good Lord. Yeah, I think it was the ever-present hoofbeats of her brother, the Minotaur, where I was like, okay, I'm in. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Man, I'm so excited for this. And the cover is is gorgeous as well. Yes. So a lot of good covers this month. A lot of good covers. Yeah. A lot of good covers. Um, okay. Uh, my next one is That Summer by Jennifer Weiner. We love Jennifer Weiner. Um, this is about Daisy. She has a thriving cookie business, cooking business. A full schedule of volunteer work and a beautiful home in the Philadelphia suburbs. She should be content. But her teenage daughter can be a handful, her husband can be distant, and her work can feel trivial, and she has lots of acquaintances but no real friends. Still, Daisy knows she's got it good, so why is she up all night? While Daisy tries to identify 
the root of her dissatisfaction. She's also receiving misdirected emails meant for a woman named Diana Starling, whose email address is just one punctuation mark away from her own. I feel you on that one. <clears throat> so while Daisy's driving carpools, Diana is chairing meetings. While Daisy's making dinner, Diana's making plans to reorganize corporations. Diana's glamorous, sophisticated, single lady life is miles away from Daisy's simpler existence. When an apology leads to an invitation, the two women meet and become friends. But as they get closer, we learn that their connection was not completely accidental. Um, so who is this other woman and what does she want with Daisy? So yeah, good old Jennifer Weiner coming back. That's delightful. Also interviewing her. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I think that was also on there. I was, I, I can't remember when and who and what we are doing moving forward. So, but Emika was the one that I was like, I think that's coming up at some point. Yes. Um, another one of the things that I very much adore is nature and trees specifically. And there's a book coming out this month called Finding the Mother Tree by Suzanne Simard that just sounds freaking delightful. Um, I've been reading a whole bunch more of like Wendell Berry and Bill Byrne, or not Bill Byrne, Jesus. Um, Bill, the Walk in the Woods. Um, Bill Bryson. Bill Bryson, Jesus. Yeah, not Bill Burr. He's a very different person. Um, and this is feels like kind of along those same lines. So um, Suzanne is a world leading expert in kind of the um, the world of trees. And <clears throat> she's a pioneer in the frontier of plant communication and intelligence. And so she spends a lot of time researching the complex ways that trees basically talk to each other. And so this is something I, I was not aware of and I haven't read the book just yet, but I can't wait to, but there are things called mother trees in forests and they're kind of like the biggest tree. Jill is nodding her head. Yes. I, I know because of the avocados, they also come from the same mother tree. Yes. Yeah. It's super interesting because so again, I just know like a little bit about this now, but mother trees are this like there it's very mysterious, but they kind of connect and sustain a lot of the other trees around them. And like, even to the point of like when seedlings start to grow, they will like push specific fungi and nutrients their way, or like they will, it will literally like rearrange the root system underneath the ground so that those trees have space to grow. And it's just like, this insanely elaborate way that nature talks to each other. And I am very, very excited to learn more all about this and um, how it's being researched to help you know human beings move forward and, and all sorts of interesting stuff. So yeah, that's Finding the Mother Tree by Suzanne Samard. My next one is The Secret Talker by Galin Yen. And this was originally in uh, written in Chinese and been translated, I believe. So this is about Hong Mi. She is the perfect Chinese wife. She's beautiful, diligent, and passive. Glenn is the perfect American husband, intelligent, caring, and well-off. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> so from the outside, their life in San Francisco seems perfect, but at home, their marriage is falling apart. Post-its left on the fridge are their primary form of communication. So when Hong Mei receives a beguiling email from a secret admirer, naturally she's intrigued. But what starts out as a harmless flirting with an internet stranger quickly turns into an all-consuming emotional affair. As Hong Mei sp uh, spills more and more about her dark past as a military intelligence officer in training in China, she falls deeper and deeper into a tense cat and mouse game. 
desperate and self-destructive, she embarks on an investigation into her email emailer's secret history, one that may tear her life and marriage apart forever. So Chinese thriller, that sounds, yes, mm -hmm. please. That yes. sounds amazing. Um, I have another nonfiction one here, and it's How Stella Learned to Talk by Christina Hunger. Um, I unsurprisingly follow many dog accounts on Instagram. And this is what there's an account called Hunger for Words. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Jill. Mm -hmm, I don't think so. Okay. So Christina Hunger is uh, in her day job is a she's a speech pathologist, um, a, sorry, a speech language pathologist. And she works primarily with toddler, toddlers who have significant delays in language development and use augmentative and alternate and alternative communication devices to help them communicate. So she got, she brought home this dog, this uh, puppy that she named Stella and got the idea to kind of use that similar technique to see if she could interact with her dog. And so what she did is she just has these really small buttons, almost like the, um, was it the that was easy button like the staples mm -hmm. commercials like like that kind of size and each button is a different started out with a with a different simple word so not like just like sit not like commands for the dog but like words that the dog could say to her like outside play cuddle hungry scared and slowly but surely Christina would kind of test this theory that was interesting to see like can my dog speak with me and so she would start to work with the dog and the dog would say these things sort of and then like she would go push her responses on the buttons as well and it got it grew and grew and grew and not like Stella will go over and basically say like a whole sentence like something along the lines of like outside go to the beach where's daddy can we play and like so she knows exactly what Stella is interested in and I've since discovered a number of these types of dogs there's one called bun uh there's one called bunny uh which is like a I think she's like a poodle but bunny is like started asking like these existential questions of her owner like I am dog what are you what is a dog and she's like I have no idea how to answer these things but this all kind of started with this Christina Hunger and her dog Stella and it's just the, the videos are incredible and so super interested to learn more as a person who has dogs who I routinely, even now when they're almost 11 and eight, I'll look at them and basically do the like, what do you want? I don't understand my next dogs. I would be interested in doing this. So that's a long way of saying it's really interesting, but it's How Stella Learned to Talk by Christina Hunger. I wonder if cats can do that. Um, Maybe. <laughs> I don't think I want to know what my cats are. So <laughs> my next one is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. I don't think I need to tell y'all mm -hmm. anything about Andy. Did you have this on your list? Mm -mm. Okay. So this is about Ryland. Ryland is the sole survivor on a desperate last chance mission. And if he fails, humanity and the earth itself will perish. That's not great, especially because Ryland doesn't actually remember any of that. He can't remember his own name, let alone the nature of his assignment or how to complete it. All he knows is that he's been asleep for a very, very long time. And he's just been awakened himself millions of miles from home with nothing but two corpses for company. So his crewmates are dead. His memories are slowly starting to come back. And Ryland realizes that an impossible task now confronts him. And it is sort of up to him on this tiny little spaceship in space um, to sort of figure out how to save the world. 
So that's Project Hail Mary. Yeah. Okay, my next one is one that we have both known about for a little bit of time, and it is called Madam by Phoebe Wynn. And it is, um, again, another mix of both a Jill and an Adam book. Uh, it's a riveting modern Gothic debut with shades of the secret history, Stepford Wives, and Dash of Searcy, set in a secretive all-girls boarding school perched on the edge of a craggy Scottish peninsula. Um, so this school has existed for over a century, and our main character's name is Rose, and she's a 26-year-old classics teacher, um, and she is their first new hire in over a decade. And you're never going to believe this, but things aren't what they seem at this very <laughs> creepy uh, school set in a castle on the Scottish cliffs. Uh, there's a lot of nefarious things going on and Rose kind of uncovers the real darkness and the reason that this school continues to exist and how struggles with sort of how she's now helping perpetuate all of that and, and what that means. And so super creepy backdrop, uh, super creepy story. And yeah, I mean, as, as everyone had just heard you talk about earlier, that gotta love a secretive all girls boarding school situation. So that's Madam by Phoebe Wynn. So good. Um, okay. My last one is pumpkin by Julie Murphy. Mm -hmm. So this is part of her Dumplin series. This is about Waylon. He is a fat, openly gay boy stuck in a small West Texas town of Clover city. His plan is to sort of bide his time until he can graduate, move to Austin with his twin sister, Clementine, and finally go full Waylon so that he can live his Julie. The hills are live with the sound of music and truth, which I fully support. I just like, that's just a great, I mean, I'm like, I get you. I understand what that means. So when Clementine deviates from their master plan right after Waylon gets dumped, he throws caution to the wind and creates an audition tape for his favorite TV drag show, Fiercest of Them All. What he doesn't count on is a tape getting accidentally shared with the entire school. As a result, he is nominated for Prom Queen as a joke, and Clementine's girlfriend, Hannah, receives a joke nomination for Prom King. So Waylon and Hannah decide there's only one thing to do, run for Prom King and Queen, and like leave high school with a very glittery bang. Um... But along the way, Waylon discovers that there's a lot more to running for prom court than campaign posters and plastic crowns, especially when he has to spend so much time with the very cute and infuriating prom king nominee, Tucker Watson. So it's just as, and again, great cover. Like it's just, mm -hmm. it's fabulous. Yeah. Um, all right. I got two more. Uh, my first one is Second Place by Rachel Cusk. Uh, as a haunting fable of art, family, and fate. Um, a woman invites a famous artist to use her guest house in the remote coastal landscape where she lives with her family. Powerfully drawn to his paintings, she believes his vision might penetrate the mystery at the center of her life. But as a long, dry summer sets in, his provocative presence itself becomes an enigma and disrupts the calm of her secluded household. Um, so this is portrayed as a study of female fate and male privilege, the, geometri uh, the, the geometries of human relationships and the moral questions that animate our lives. And again, as you mentioned, just a gorgeous cover. It's like, um, it's a painting basically, as you might imagine, but it's just beautiful. Really, really love it. And then my last one is uh, Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon. Another, the, man, the, the covers on this month, amazing. Um, so, Sorrowland, the main character's name is Vern, and Vern is seven months pregnant with twins, and she escapes this strict 
religion, or rather they escape this strict religious compound and they're in the forest and but they feel extremely haunted and they're trying to fight back against this community that like doesn't want to even let her go so she's constantly on the run and uh, ends up unleashing this incredible brutality uh, far beyond what any single person should be capable of um, and she kind of starts to metamorphosize into another thing entirely and starts to uncover the truth about this horrible religious compound and all the things going on um, and it is, again, it's another like very gothic, creepy book filled with, you know, monsters, but the monsters are actually not people or individuals, but entire nations. So sounds really good. Sounds really creepy. And again, like just the covers this month are amazing. So that's Sorrowland by Rivers Solomon. I think that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. So, um, okay. No, yeah. There's no book clubs going on at the moment. Nothing crazy that people need to know about. Um, anything else you think people should know? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.